Stuff I Learned Yesterday, episode number 501. Can I Make a Difference? Welcome to Stuff I Learned Yesterday. My name is Barb Rankin. My first experience with a hurricane was Donna in 1960, and I believe that if you aren't learning, you aren't living. In today's episode of Stuff I Learned Yesterday, I share a lesson about how I learned that I could make a difference. Well, happy Thursday, everyone. I hope you've had a great week. At the time I'm recording this, Phoenix is supposed to get rain from the remnants of Pacific Tropical Storm Newton on Wednesday and possibly Thursday. And I'll bet you didn't realize that Atlantic and Pacific storms have different name lists. That's a fun fact before we even get to the fun fact. So we'll go ahead and we'll get to the fun fact. It's officially the 2016 Atlantic hurricane season. The season begins on June 1st of each year and ends on November 30th. Generally, the most destructive storms tend to occur in August and September, but there have been exceptions to that rule. Here are some fun facts from the National Hurricane Center website. The scientific term for all these storms is tropical cyclone. Only tropical cyclones that form over the Atlantic Ocean or the Eastern Pacific Ocean are called hurricanes. Tropical cyclones are like giant engines that use warm, moist air as fuel. That is why they form only over warm ocean waters near the equator. Storms that form north of the equator spin counterclockwise, and storms south of the equator spin clockwise. The Atlantic storms often form near the Cape Verde Islands, which are about 350 miles off the western coast of Africa. They travel across the Atlantic, where they may gain strength or diminish, depending on the atmospheric conditions. When the winds in the rotating storm reach 39 miles per hour, the storm is called a tropical storm. And when the wind speeds reach 74 miles an hour, or 64 knots, or 119 kilometers, the storm is officially a tropical cyclone or a hurricane. When you hear about a hurricane, you hear that it might be a Category or Cat 4 storm. So what do those categories mean? The Saffir-Simpson hurricane wind scale is a 1 to 5 rating based on a hurricane's sustained wind speed. This scale estimates potential property damage. Hurricanes reaching Category 3 and higher are considered major hurricanes because of their potential for significant loss of life and damage. Category 1 and 2 storms are still dangerous, however, and require preventative measures. A Category 4 storm has sustained winds of between 130 and 156 miles per hour, which is 113 to 136 knots, or between 209 and 251 kilometers per hour. And a Category 5 storm has sustained winds in excess of 157 miles per hour, 137 knots, 252 kilometers. In a Category 5 storm, catastrophic damage will occur. A high percent of framed homes will be destroyed with total roof failure and wall collapse. Fallen trees and power poles will isolate residential areas. Power outages will last for weeks to possibly months. Most of the area will be uninhabitable for weeks or months. This is why hurricane watches and warnings should be taken seriously, and individuals who live in a hurricane-threatened area should have their hurricane preparedness plans in place well before the onset of any storm. Now that's some pretty scary stuff. But you know what isn't scary? 
the Friday Forum. It's hard to believe, but this is the last regular silly episode until October the 10th. And as Daryl told everyone on Monday, the next season of Silly will be the last one before this podcast ends on December 30th. These next months will be your last chance to tell us how you have made a difference by sharing your experiences with all of us in the Golden Spiral media community. And it's so easy. Just be part of the Friday Forum. Friday Forum is your opportunity to share what you've learned so that other listeners and I can learn from you. Share your story. What experiences have you had? And what lessons have you learned? For whom have you made a difference? Or how has someone made a difference for you? You can participate in the Friday Forum by visiting our feedback page or calling our voice feedback line at 304-837-2278. Or you can even typey-typey out a message and send it in. I want to hear from you. Let's fill up Daryl's mailbag before this last season. So send something in. I can't wait to hear what you've learned. So what did I learn yesterday? As I mentioned in Silly Episode 435, one of my early childhood memories was seeing the mess that Category 4 Hurricane Donna made in our backyard when it passed south of Miami, toppling a large avocado tree onto my swing set and also destroying an orange tree. But I also remember the preparations before the storm. My father had died one year earlier, and I remember his best friend, our Uncle Jack, coming over to the house to lower the storm awnings over the windows. These awnings would shade the windows and then be folded down and bolted to the wall to protect windows in the event of a hurricane. Our neighbors also came over and asked Mom if she wanted our family to ride out the storm at their house, but she felt confident remaining in our own home. It was a small, one-story, sturdy concrete block house, which was the best type of house to have in a hurricane. Because it was made of concrete blocks rather than wood frames, it was less likely to be impacted by strong winds. The kind of house the three little pigs would be safe in. No huffing and puffing by a big bad wolf or any hurricane, for that matter, would blow that house down. When we moved to a larger home a few years later, Mom was insistent that we find another concrete block house. And sure enough, we did. And just after we moved in August 1964, along came Category 2 Hurricane Cleo. My brother Rob and I were old enough to help clean up the down branches in the street. The next year, Category 3 Betsy struck in early September and caused much more damage and flooding. Rob and I were back outside helping clean up the mess on our street, and at that point, we had a pretty good understanding of what a hurricane could do and how you needed to be prepared. Flash forward to 1992. I was living and working in Baltimore, Maryland. I had called my mom on Saturday, August the 22nd, to wish her a happy birthday and to let her know that I had to fly out of town on a business matter that following Monday the 24th. My brother answered the phone, and I asked if he was taking her to dinner. And he promptly asked me, Are you nuts? Haven't you seen the news? The storm that had almost disintegrated in the Atlantic three days earlier was rapidly strengthening into a Cat 5 storm heading straight for Miami. Hurricane Andrew. I was stunned. I had not seen the news. He told me they were going to ride it out and not leave. At 5 a.m. on Monday, Mom called me to tell me that the eye of the hurricane was passing overhead and that they were okay. Half the storm was over. She said she would call my hotel in California to let me know when the storm was over, as I would be traveling all day. After I arrived in California and handled the issues at the plant, I finally went to the hotel to check in. 
The reservations agent gave me a message from mom that they were okay. I was exhausted and couldn't find much news on TV. But the next morning, the pictures began coming in. I literally fell off the end of the bed when I recognized a strip shopping center that was about two and a half miles from the family home, very heavily damaged. I tried calling, but of course couldn't get through. Phones were out, electricity was out, and I was in California, not Florida. After I returned to Maryland at the end of the week, I was finally able to get through and talk to my mom and brother. The home had some damage, tiles off the roof, trees down, but they were okay. They still didn't have electricity, and Rob was spending his days cleaning debris from the neighboring yards and major cross streets to allow emergency vehicles to get through. They had gone to get ice and water and had waited in long lines. They were just north of the worst damage and knew that others had been more severely impacted than they had been. I had seen enough pictures to know that this was the most destructive storm to ever hit South Florida, my birthplace, and still my home in my heart. I had to do something. I had to make a difference. I called one of my dear college friends who lived about 60 miles north of Miami and found out that her church was organizing crews to help clear yards. I asked if I could stay with her and she immediately said yes. I also contacted the American Red Cross to ask about providing assistance. They said they were using warehouse facilities to take donations and needed to help sort and pack boxes of supplies for residents. They said that if I could get down there, they could use me. Less than three weeks after Andrew made landfall, I was flying to Florida. The next week consisted of good old hard labor. I spent two days working with the church group as we traveled down to Homestead and cleared debris from yards, piling it up alongside of the street where it would eventually be picked up by city and county crews. I spent another two days working in one of the Red Cross warehouses. People from all over the country were generously donating water, non-perishable food, clothing, personal hygiene supplies, flashlights and batteries, and anything else you can imagine. We sorted the supplies as they came off the trucks, putting like items together in the warehouse. We then created care packages, boxes of needed supplies for men, women, children, and families that would be distributed by other volunteers. I spent another day at my high school, which was in an area that received the brunt of the storm. And of course, I went home and saw that my family had things under control and were continuing to help their neighbors and friends. What shocked me the most was the destruction. Miles upon miles of wrecked homes, businesses, broken windows, insulation falling from buildings, rubble. Familiar landmarks were badly damaged or destroyed. Trees had no leaves, having been ripped off by the wind. Driving up Old Cutler Road from my school to my home, I could see the dividing line where the winds were the most intense. I've included some pictures of what I saw in the blog post. The devastation was overwhelming, and the only thing anyone could do was to work on it one piece at a time. Remove one tree. Go through one pile of belongings. Help one person and then move on to someone else. What amazed me the most was the hope, the determination, and the positive attitudes of the people that we worked with. One of the yards we cleaned belonged to a woman in her 80s. She kept coming outside to check on us and actually apologized that she didn't have any cookies or other treats to offer us. She was still without electricity, and yet she wore a smile on her face and was worried about us. Amazing. Here's what I learned. There will always be situations in which people in our neighborhoods, 
our cities, our states, our countries, our world need help. Perhaps due to a natural disaster, such as a hurricane, a flood, or tornado, a blizzard or a heat wave, or due to a famine, a fire, a war. The enormity of some situations can be overpowering, and we wonder, can I do anything to help? Where would I begin? Can I make a difference? Human resiliency and hope are powerful, but sometimes we need a little something to help get us started. Maybe we need that bottle of water, or that can of food, or someone with a chainsaw to help clear our yard. It was probably good that I didn't realize how far reaching the destruction was until I saw it with my own eyes. It would have been easy to give up before I began, thinking that I couldn't possibly help the situation, that I couldn't make a difference. But we can do things to help others. There were several variations of the starfish story adapted from the star thrower by Lauren Isley, which I'm sure many of you have seen. Here is one of those adaptations. Once upon a time, there was an old man who used to go to the ocean to do his riding. He had a habit of walking on the beach every morning before he began his work. Early one morning, he was walking along the shore after a big storm had passed and found the vast beach littered with starfish as far as the eye could see, stretching in both directions. Off in the distance, the old man noticed a small boy approaching. As the boy walked, he paused Every so often, and as he grew closer, the man could see that he was occasionally bending down to pick up an object and throw it into the sea. The boy came closer still, and the man called out, Good morning. May I ask what it is that you're doing? The young boy paused, looked up, and replied, Throwing starfish into the ocean. The tide has washed them up onto the beach, and they can't return to the sea by themselves, the youth replied. When the sun gets high, they will die unless I throw them back into the water. The old man replied, but there must be tens of thousands of starfish on this beach. I'm afraid you really won't be able to make much of a difference. The boy bent down, picked up yet another starfish, and threw it as far as he could into the ocean. Then he turned, smiled, and said, it made a difference to that one. You don't have to get on a plane to go to an impacted area. You can donate food or other items to your local Red Cross or food pantry. You can pack food for an organization such as Feed My Starving Children. You might be able to donate cash to help with the logistics cost of getting supplies to where they are most needed. This past weekend, during Geekonomicon, Golden Spiral Media raised over $2,800 for the National Multiple Sclerosis Society to fight this terrible disease, which impacts millions of people including two of our own GSM hosts. If you contributed, you helped make a difference. Even the very smallest thing you will do will make a difference for someone. I can make a difference. You can make a difference. Together, we can make a difference. I'm Barb Rankin, and this has been Stuff I Learned Yesterday. Follow Golden Spiral Media on Twitter at GSM Podcasts and Facebook.com slash Golden Spiral Media. Join the Stuff I Learned Yesterday Facebook group at Facebook.com slash groups slash Stuff I Learned Yesterday. To subscribe to Stuff I Learned Yesterday, visit GoldenSpiralMedia.com slash subscribe. If you've enjoyed this episode of Stuff I Learned Yesterday, 
I would be grateful if you'd share this with a friend.